Did you know that you can get more traffic by deleting content on your website through a well-structured approach? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Business Podcast, and today I'm speaking with Lily Ray, who is the Senior Director, SEO and Head of Organic Research at Amissive Digital, where she provides strategic leadership for agencies and SEO client programs. Now, she's been born into a family of software engineers, web developers, and technical writers, where Lily's been able to bring you know, a strong technical background and performance-driven habits and forward thinking and creativity to all of the programs that she's overseen. Now, Lily began her SEO career in 2010, so 12 years ago, in a very fast-paced sort of startup environment, and then moved quickly into the agency world where she was able to help grow and establish an award-winning SEO department that delivered the high-impact work for a fast-growing list of like notable clients, including five Fortune 500 companies. Now, Lily has worked across a variety of different verticals with a focus on retail, e-com, B2B, and CPG sites. So she loves diving into algorithm updates, assessing quality issues, and solving these tech SEO mysteries. Now, in this podcast, Lily and I talk about what SEO you can do during due diligence before you actually buy a website. We also talk about how to identify different growth strategies before you buy a website as well, like keywords you can rank for and other factors as well. We just talk about on-page SEO. We talk about the 80-20 of it and how to structure your site and your content best way possible. We just talk about why you should work towards having less content on your site, like deleting content over time and how that can equal more traffic, which is wild and crazy to think about, so we'll dive into that. We'll just talk about why you should create content that just doesn't you know, get traffic to your site and th- only thinking about more traffic. We should be creating content that builds your brand and we talk about how you can do that as well, which is really good for SEO. Then we move into the 80-20 of off-page SEO and how to get links instead of hunting them down or, or buying them. So how to get organic links. We also talk about you know tech SEO, the 80-20 of tech SEO and some of the most important things that you should have for your site, which are basic but critical. And then finally, we, we finish off and we talk about where is Google headed, which is a big discussion in itself. And we talk about some of the things that Lily can foresee where Google is heading and what we can do to take advantage of. Now, this is such a valuable episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Do you want to build or grow your content website? Niche website builders have helped hundreds of people to take their content websites from a few hundred dollars per month to over tens of thousands of dollars per month with crafted content creation, buying age domains, and link building strategies. These strategies have helped people increase their traffic, authority, monthly earnings, and their website valuation too. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash B-O-B forward slash to get 10% off any link building or 10% more from their content creation services. That's nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob forward slash. I'll put a link in the description too. Lily, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this chat, like I said, before we hit the record buttons. It's good to get somebody on with a depth of SEO knowledge and go all in. So I'm looking forward to where we go in some of the side tangents. Firstly, though, people listening, they're like, all right, I'm going to buy a business and I'm going to grow a business. The first step is knowing how to do SEO due diligence when you do buy a business and and not getting taken advantage of or or caught out by not knowing what to look for. What would be some of the top things that you would look for when you're looking to buy a business in terms of SEO due diligence? Well, the naming of the business is important. Um, You know, from an SEO standpoint, we always like to think about 
the potential of a business name to rank if you know if you have the opportunity to think about keywords in the business name for example like if you're a local business that can go a really long way to help you rank better in google maps so if you're a cpa like can you include cpa in the name of the business or anything that kind of matches how people search so like I've worked with a tattoo shop here in New York that was able to add Tattoo NYC to the end of the name. And that went a really long way, both in terms of Google Maps, as well as the domain Mm. name. When people type Tattoo NYC, like they show up a lot more because of that kind of exact match phrasing. So that's one thing to think about. Um, In terms of the domain itself, you want to do some due diligence to see if there's been any problems on the SEO side. So you can use tools like Systrix, for example, or SEMrush, and they can show you kind of a historical look back at SEO performance. And if you see that the site fell off a cliff in terms of traffic in the past, um, you might want to see if you can learn a little bit more about that. It might have been affected by an algorithm update or worse is that it might have received what's called a manual action on Google. So that's like a a penalty on Google, which means that the site might have some history of problems with breaking the guidelines on Google. So it's very important to consider those things because if the penalties or manual actions weren't resolved properly, that can continue to affect the domain going forward. Yeah, I've seen this happen with a bunch of websites that people have been looking and sending to me recently. What they do is they, you know, my members, they'll fill in their due diligence and we review them before they even make an offer. And yeah. uh, we, we see that like some people are really hungry. Oh, it's been affected by this up um, this manual action or this update a year or two, two ago. And the person who owns a business has been trying to continue to grow the business unsuccessfully. So in the buyer's mind, who's a newbie is like, oh yeah, I want to buy this because it's a cheap deal because it's gone backwards. But it's, you know, that was two years ago. It should be fine. But there's still that you still don't know if that's resolved. So how would we find that out? Would we look into say Google search console, um, get viewers access to that when doing due diligence? Would we look into some other things to sort of you know, identify this? Yeah, that data, that information comes directly from Google Search Console. So you would need to be able to access Search Console to see if the, the what's called a reconsideration request has been done properly. So that's the way that you try to get back in Google's good graces and kind of own up to the problem and explain how you're going to change course and all the things you've done to, you know, reconcile with, you know, the things that they took issue with in the first place. That needs to be approved by Google. So in the messages portion of Search Console, it'll say like the reconsideration request has been approved. Like all of that needs to be cleaned up before you start working on the site because some sites you'll set up Search Console and you'll see, wow, there's been a manual action sitting here for years unaddressed. And it's very hard to compete in the SEO space if that's the case. Some manual actions are more egregious than others, but uh, generally speaking, you really want to work with a clean slate. So like if you're buying a domain that has history, like it should be something that is on brand, you know, like if it's received links and traffic and everything in the past, those should be ideally links and traffic that makes sense for what you'll be using the domain for going forward. I want to uh, switch gears a bit to what you said earlier about uh, somebody that you know who put a, a keyword at the end of their domain. So did they buy, They did they do this in terms of growth strategy to see before they buy the business, can they buy this another domain 
with mm-hmm. the same start of the domain with an add-on keyword at the end? And if so, is it worth, you know, do you feel that's worth people looking at keywords that haven't been targeted that that site could get ranked for prior to purchasing the business to to get more Google traffic? Is that what you were mentioning before or am I off the mark completely? No, that's <laughs> right. So this person was lucky in the sense that they knew me and were talking to me in the process of starting the business. So, you know, I encouraged them to take the fun, interesting brand name that they came up with and append Tattoo NYC to both the business name and to the domain name. And that luckily that domain name was available. It had no history or anything. So as much as you can do that without sacrificing, you know, your name, the name of the business sounding really nice and pretty or whatever, um, you know, at least for the domain, like there's some debate in the SEO community about how much having keywords in the domain is still a ranking factor. Having what's called an exact match domain is a ranking factor, but I'm of the opinion that it definitely helps. Maybe it's not the strongest factor, but like there's so many different things. So like, um, you know, Google my business again, like the name of the business is such a big factor for ranking there. So as much as you can like include the keyword of what your business does in the business name or the domain name and or the domain name. Um, I think that's, Mm. (laughs) if you can plan for that, it will have a lot of uh, value going forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Our domain is uh, (laughs) buyingonlinebusinesses.com. And I, I struggled to, like, there was so many available at the time and I'm lucky because that's, that's a really good keyword. Yeah. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chalk that up to SEO experience because I had none of that when I first started. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a good domain for sure. Uh, so I want to shift gears to tech SEO. This is this is when somebody's bought a site. Tech tech SEO can be very daunting for somebody that has that has no idea about SEO. Mm-hmm. I guess most people start with you know on page SEO, a bit of sort of off page SEO, and then they move into tech SEO. Maybe we start. Maybe we start with on page SEO. What would you say some of the best, like the easy win, uh, easy wins of on page SEO? Maybe just two or three. The most important thing to consider with on page SEO is really the website architecture and the the pages that you create. So Google works in a couple different ways. For one, it has certain attributes of the site that it kind of evaluates on the domain level. So things like authoritativeness or things like relevance, like what, you know, what is the history of the site? I don't want to say domain authority because it's not what I mean, but like Google has these kind of broad notions of what a domain is about. So that's calculated on the, on the domain level, but on the page level is what ranks on Google. So if you don't have the best page on your site to rank for the different services that you offer, products that you sell, you know, topics that you want to rank for, you you already are not, you're not going to be able to succeed. So when you do keyword research, you have to do like mapping to say, we know that we, we want to rank for this term. We know that the other people that are ranking for this term tend to have pages that do X, Y, Z. So we need to have those types of pages as well. Um, and it's a really granular exercise because sometimes you might not know, should these two keywords be on the same page? Should these two keywords have different pages? But that Mm. exercise is the most fundamental, important part of SEO, honestly. So beyond that, it's just how do we optimize these pages from a content quality perspective and from an intent perspective? So like when the user searches for something, how much does the content on our page meet their needs? That's half the battle. (laughs) So 
<laughs> new businesses might not realize like, oh, we need to have different pages for all these different things. But honestly, I would just boil on page down to that process. Structuring. Wow. That's huge. That's a, that's a great call. You know, it's one of the most important things. So for somebody that's looking at buying a site, they should look at the competitors, right? And see how have they structured their their like if we're talking about content sites, how have they structured their their categories, maybe um, subcategories, and then what keywords go into each one of those buckets? Is that am I on the right track with that? Yeah. So the thing about it is like first of all, you should always kind of pay attention to top performers on Google, not necessarily just business competitors, because business competitors might not succeed very much with SEO, and yeah. so I wouldn't emulate their strategy necessarily unless it's doing very well. So start with sort who of top ranking sort of the top ranking. Yeah, top ranking, but also also a business competitor because sometimes mm-hmm. you might compete with Wikipedia, for example. You're not gonna do what Wikipedia does. They have a very specific purpose. That's probably not going to be the purpose of your business. So you don't want to just say like, I want to copy Wikipedia for my strategy. Like you want to copy, if you're going to copy anybody, the people that are business competitors that are doing SEO well. So I would kind of find out who those people are. Mm -hmm. And then copying 100% is not always the best approach because you also want to have you know, a distinct content strategy. And maybe you found some other subcategories that you can talk about that they don't talk about. But from an architectural perspective, I would pay attention to how your SEO slash business competitors are setting up their sites and just see like, oh, there's this whole other vertical that they talk about that we didn't even think about that might also add value for our site. Yeah, great. And would you say there's too many categories and too many um, keywords within each category or subcategory? It depends. So like if you have, like I would just start with what is necessary. Don't start with too many, like start with a small set that are core to your business. And then if you start to see that there's relevant subcategories or what we call like child categories, um, you can build those according to search demand. Like, oh, there's a lot of people that are searching for this other thing. We're going to make a category. But it's not the best approach to start with too many different things and spread yourself too thin. Really focus on the areas where these topics drive actual value to your business, not just traffic. So like another mistake that people make is they say, Oh, um, like we had an insurance client once who, you know, their target audience is families because they offer these different types of insurance for homeowners or whatever. So writing about having a picnic in the park is, I guess, to them seemed relevant because families have picnics in the park and families need insurance. So like maybe they'll read the article and need insurance. Like it doesn't work like that. (laughs) There's too much of that in the SEO space. So like try to stick to content where you actually demonstrate expertise And then if you continue to build content beyond that, you can go a little bit more upper funnel and talk about more like informational topics, but don't spread yourself too thin. That's excellent. Because if you're getting like, I don't think people think enough about the, the intent of the keyword and the intent of somebody going to view that or read that or consume that content. Yeah. Nobody wants to read about, you know, how you can have a picnic in the park and be productive or you know how to easily clean up your picnic in the park with your family and then get sold insurance. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. And beyond that, like Google is not going to appreciate that an insurance company has this content on their site. 
Like it doesn't do anything for anybody. It actually just seems like a waste of space on the site. And like, you have to remember that Google is limited in its resources and its ability to crawl sites. Mm. It has what's literally called a crawl budget. So like if it's spending a lot of time crawling content on an insurance site, that's about having a picnic in the park, it's going to start to say like, this site is not, it's not consistent. It's not providing relevant information. It's not an expert in picnics. So like, why are we talking about that? So it's like, you really have to kind of drill down into the, your core areas of what we call EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, and yeah. stick to those areas um, before trying to rank for everything out there. Because it's a common I like mistake. that. I love that. Creating content that is in line with or is going to help build your EAT. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to the question, like you said, you know, you, people can have a lot of fluff on their site. What's your take on quality versus quantity? Because there's are, there are people out there that with a blog that's just like, let's get five posts up on the site a week <laughs> and cover as many topics as we can. Uh, what does that What does that do for a site, a blog? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I have uh, a lot of experience and history with this question because. Uh, I've been in the SEO space for 12 years and I've been working primarily in agencies and I've worked on a lot of different clients that have a lot of different, you know, like cadences for creating content. And I would say five to seven years ago, it was all about how much can you produce because it was easier to rank for a lot of different topics. So companies were obsessed with traffic and they were obsessed with creating as much content as possible. And that's where we got like, you know, content farms and you get people outsourcing content and freelancers. And there's this huge economy of people producing medium to low quality content just because it used to rank better on Google. There was less competition, less scrutiny, all these things. That's changed so much in recent years. And with the rise of EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, it's becoming so, so, so difficult. Add to that millions and trillions of more pages to compete against on Google. Um, Google's getting stricter with not only what it ranks, but what it indexes. So a lot of this content doesn't even get indexed on Google. So I'm of the opinion now, because I've helped so many sites with algorithm update problems, a lot of these sites have way too much content that's not valuable. And you can actually see a lot of benefit from eliminating that content. So whether it's redirecting it to better pages, getting rid of even just like 404ing, you know, getting rid of some content that doesn't meet the mark anymore, redirecting it to other properties that they own, but like slowly trimming down what you have on your site and just focusing on like conversion driving pages as much as possible. That's going to help you in the long run. Amazing. That's a really, I like that strategy in terms of, it's not really just a growth strategy, but why I like it is it's a de-risk strategy as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's the best, I think that's the best growth strategy in, its, in of totally. itself. Cool. So that's that's awesome. Uh, that's that's a lot of on-page stuff. So what would you say is the 80-20 of, of off-page? Yeah. I mean, off-page is kind of more important when you are a new business, up-and-coming business, small business, like... You know, I, I work on a lot of sites and my team work on a lot of sites that are pretty big names where we don't invest as much time and energy into link building because they're big enough brands that they get links organically or maybe they have a separate PR team and they're getting a lot of links through the, the press that they're doing. It is, for better or for worse, kind of very important for small businesses, but it's also extremely important to do it right. So what you just said about like, you know, a future thinking growth strategy that's like risk free hopefully or minimizes risk i mean there's a whole spectrum of beliefs on this in the seo space but i'm of the opinion that you really 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 shouldn't 
violate Google's guidelines, especially as a new business or a new domain. So like you have to read what Google says about link exchanges and paid links and spammy links and all these things because it's really easy to get manipulated into buying links that violate Google's guidelines. They're getting smarter and smarter at identifying those links and either like not considering them for rankings or worse, devaluing your site. So if you're a new business or small business or whatever, like just try to get links in a way that's authentic. Like maybe there's people in the community that use your product and they have a site that they can link to you from or like local charities, local meetups, like real content marketing, you know, it's like the long and hard organic marketing stuff that actually works as opposed to the the short short term gimmicks and hacks and tricks that people try to use that will get you in trouble later. Yeah, I think I think about it th- through looking through the lens of you if you're going to use Google to get traffic, that's a business partner. And if you would do something that your business partner could find out about <laughs> that is not good for them and makes their business harder and worse, then they're not going to be happy and you're tarnishing a relationship and that can really put things in a bad light going on in the future for that domain or anything around that domain, right? Yeah. So I think people are like playing a game with Google and just trying, too many people are, you know, playing a game with Google and it was a lot, you know, 10 years ago, it was a lot easier to, because Google hadn't had the, the guidelines and the resources to put around this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think just playing playing against Google is you got to give them what they want. I know that if I'm to work with somebody and I'm to make the deal that much better in terms of a partnership, they're going to make my, you know, it's going to make it easier for both of us. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. It's, it's crazy, a good point. It? It's a good point. I think that there's a a way to like I actually know for a fact like <laughs> you can get your site into a bad place with Google where they don't trust your site as much. Maybe they don't index your content as much. And there's actually literally like if you if you do get in trouble like a manual action or, or you know a, a penalty, there's human beings at Google, the web spam team, who are reviewing your reconsideration request. So that's one of the few areas of Google where it's actually human reviewers. And we had an example once where we we actually submitted a reconsideration request that said, we are Amps of Digital. It's the name of our agency. This is how we do things. We do things differently than the last two agencies that this company worked with, which are X and Y. We actually named them. We don't do those things. We do these things. We're going to try to clean up their work, but going forward, you won't see this problem anymore. And Google literally approved it in 24 hours. Wow, <laughs> it's that's like, great. Wow. Okay. So there's really people on the other side. That's rare that it's like a human reviewing these things this much, but you can get back in their good graces if you do things right. So it's important to pay attention to your how the site kind of relates with Google. I like how you identified what was done previously. And it's not at your fault. That's at the site owner's fault and they're right. accepting blame and moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do that with a Facebook account that um, I had been disapproved with too many ads I hadn't done anything shady, but it was just like some words that just weren't, they didn't want in there. And I would change them to try find the right word to do what yeah. they wanted. And I got disapproved too many times. <laughs> and then I said, hey, look, I, you know, I stuffed up. I really wanted to make sure I could do, you know, 
help people with what I do. Um, I didn't realize that there were so many words that you didn't want. Um, how can I fix this and how can we get this back up and running? It was a, it was a no deal uh, on that <laughs> end, but I think it's really good to just accept what has happened. If humans are reviewing it as a human, you kind of want to, you know, it's, I think it's great for somebody to change their tune to work towards something better than where, what they had done. So, yeah. So that's, and coming back to the links, people, people creating links for just need to inject my domain with more SEO juice uh, rather and paying for them. Whereas they could spend that money on better content that can get organic links because the content is that much more valuable that it's got so much data, research, science, yeah. um, humor, connection that yeah. can allow organic links. Is that something that you, do you guys create content? Is that a strategy that you use? Yeah, we absolutely create content. Um, what we don't do that other agencies do is pick up the phone and call a bunch of journalists and everything and try to get the content in front of people because that's frankly, it's PR. And yeah. we have partners that we work with that do the PR component. We also have clients that have their own PR companies or, or internal teams. So I think the role of the SEO I mean, there's some SEO agencies that handle that, which is fine. But my perspective is that the role of the SEO is to identify things that will do well in terms of link building, in terms of like getting press and getting awareness that are on brand for the client and coming up with those ideas. So like just one example where um, my personal site. So during COVID, I created a form on my site that said, if you are a digital marketer and you want to offer freelance or pro bono services, or you're a business and you need help with SEO for free because it's coronavirus, like it was the onset of the, the pandemic, just fill out this form. I just launched that on my site. And then of course I had the task of like matching everybody, which took a really long time, but I got like 300 links in like three days. Wow. And I just shared it on Twitter, maybe on Facebook or something, but like it went kind of viral because everybody mm, wanted to help, right. right? So it was like, I didn't even do this for a link building reason. That was like very, like, it was a genuine thing that I did, but mm. it got so many links. And it kind of makes you realize, like, if you're just true to your your brand and your business and you do something interesting or fun or exciting or like heartwarming or, you know, like emotionally provoking in a way, like that's going to get so many links and you didn't have to pay for them. You just did something good or interesting. So yeah. to me, that's a much more effective strategy. And that's what Google wants anyway you know yeah so. yeah certainly getting rewarded for doing something good is you know that's that's what hap what happens and totally. sometimes you need to play the long game if people read into this straight like sometimes we have a case study where people get a great result in a short period of time people need to re realize that hey lily has been in seo for a while she's got a bit of a authority and a bit of traffic and a bit mm -hmm. of a brand already on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah. it's not like, hey, you just start your Twitter account and you'll get and a forum and you'll get 300 links within three of days. Of course, <laughs> of course. No, and that's a good point. Like, of course, I have an audience to start with. So like, is there a way that you can work with somebody who does have a following to incorporate them into that process? So maybe you, this is a really easy yeah. way to build links, interview somebody who is an expert in the area. And when the article is done, just be like, here's the article with your name on it. Like most people will tweet that or share that. Yeah. So yeah. it's a good way to get kind of like a, an echo effect on your article. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, the fact is that Lily, you did a great thing, right? And, and people want to be a part of a great thing as well. So it's, it should, it's, I wouldn't want to say it's easy, but if you're doing good things, you will get rewarded. So we've gone through some on-page, some 80, 20 of on-page, 80, 20 of off-page. 
now I think people will have sort of tuned in and now probably ready to hear some tech stuff if it's not too over their head. Yeah. What would be some some simple but powerful um, tech SEO things that people could do with within their site? So tech SEO is only needed to the extent that it's not set up well in the first place. So like mm. we deal with big, complex, technical SEO challenges, but maybe that's because the site was built from scratch and there wasn't any SEO considerations done. And maybe there's all kinds of URL parameters on internal links and things that need to be cleaned up. But that's honestly, at this point, that's kind of more so the exception to the rule than what we normally see because most sites are using things like WordPress or Shopify or Magento and you know Wix, for example. A lot of these CMS providers are thinking very heavily about tech SEO. They have solutions for fixing tech SEO problems or, or launching sites with good tech SEO. So like, you know, um, making sure every page has a self-referencing canonical tag, every page that you want indexed. Um, you know, if you use Yoast on WordPress, that's going to happen by default. Or there's some other plugins like um, all-in-one SEO pack. So there's like some common SEO plugins you could install on something like WordPress where like a lot of those best practices will be implemented automatically. Um, but you want to make sure that there's a solution for implementing redirects. That's always going to be very important. Whenever you change URLs, you need to implement redirects internally. Canonical tags, XML sitemaps are very important. So always set up a Search Console account submit the XML sitemap for your site, pay attention to the coverage report, um, make sure you have a robots.txt file hmm. and uh, the robots.txt file can mention where your sitemap is located. Like pretty basic stuff, but honestly, like most new businesses, assuming that they're using one of the big CMS providers probably shouldn't have too many technical SEO hiccups. Awesome. Yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, um, <laughs> but there's some there's some great ex, uh, site maps and and making sure that Google Search Console can see your site is <laughs> yeah very important. <laughs> Definitely the eighty twenty of it, right? So I want to talk about where Google is heading. Uh, I'm I'm very fascinated uh, through the summit, and uh, maybe if you're open to it, maybe we get you on the summit. Um, you know the next summit we have but uh, I, I love to ask people the question about where is you know google headed with seo mm -hmm. what change do we foresee in say the next five years or, or maybe more will uh, we be listening uh, to you know articles being read to us that google ranks uh, instead of you know reading them or, or or just watching them yeah what do you what's your take or some of the things that you can foresee that may happen in if the changes that we should be thinking about as site owners for Google in the next sort of five years or or maybe even further down the, down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth doing some research about what's called MUM. Um, I've been digging into MUM a bit, still pretty new to me. It's new to a lot of us in the SEO space, but um, it's a new solution for Google to be able to do a lot of different things, but basically like index all kinds of different content, including like image content and video content, audio content, which they're already doing to an extent, but I think this kind of like greatly multiplies their ability to do that well. And so it's going to change the way that we search now. So actually one example that came out like last week or the week before that isn't mum, but it seems very similar to how mum might work is uh, what's called multi-search. So on Google Lens, I just tried this yesterday. It's pretty entertaining. If you use Google Lens on your phone, you can take a picture of something and then it will use image recognition to, to say like, oh, we know exactly what that is. Like I took a picture of a, a glass of green tea and it pulled up like a bunch of different types of teas and stuff. It was pretty close, but then you can actually modify it. So you can say, um, 
health benefits. Like you can type that. So the picture plus health benefits. And it's like going to pull up all the articles that talk about the health benefits of green tea. So Amazing. it's becoming more interactive. It's becoming, it's not just voice or text. It's becoming more visual. Um, mm. You might notice now like certain queries return a YouTube video because of the, the answer was in the content of the YouTube video, even though the YouTube yeah. video doesn't necessarily have the content written on the page, like Google found it in the video transcript. So yeah. much more interactive, much more visual, and frankly, like so much harder to compete in the SEO space because so many different results are being taken by Google in the sense that they can scrape the content, they can take structured data, they can figure things out on their own. Um, they can acquire companies, whatever the case may be, to own that data and just display that data directly in the search results. There's so many examples where Google's come in and, and done that to different industries, like like flights mm -hmm. and hotels and everything, where very difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult to compete in those categories. So I foresee a lot more of that happening. Even the featured snippet, right? Like people not needing to go to web pages because they're getting the answer in these in these snippets or, or bullet point lists. It's yeah. We've had this discussion before, and I think it's it's a scary thing. And this is why let's not get down to the um, rabbit hole of this, but this is why people are turning to things like Web Web three. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like the idea of Google Lens. Google Lens is really like because it's it's adding so much value to you know when you're out and about and you don't yeah. know what something is. For example, an animal in Australia or something <laughs> something crazy like that. Um, yeah, I yeah, agree. that's that's fascinating. Yeah, cool. And so how would, yeah, how, how, I guess people could create content around, you know, you know, mm -hmm. say somebody's got a, a T, a T blog, uh, they could create content that gives the answers that could link to that image scan. I guess that's how they could benefit, right? Is that something? Yeah, I mean, provide high quality videos, high quality pictures, you know, use mm -hmm. alt text properly. Like, you know, if you think about that search result, it's all different pictures, right? So it's not always the same stock photo over and over, like they're ranking the people that have a diversity of images. So it's becoming more and more important to take your own pictures, I think, provide your own unique yeah. images because Google <laughs> doesn't want to just keep showing the same stock photo over and over. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I think that's, I think that's really good. It, it, it actually makes people go further and deeper into their own domain, Yeah, which is great. Which is really good. Yeah, we've seen a lot of benefits for e-commerce sites that take photos of their own products. It's good. It's good. These dropshipping businesses are going to be, you know, no longer existent in in five years. So, <laughs> um, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lily, for coming on. Where can we send people? This has been such a great chat. I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about you and what you guys do. Yeah. So um, my personal Twitter is Lily Ray NYC, like New York City. And I work for Amps of Digital. So if you're curious about working with me or my team, we have a really amazing SEO team at Amps of Digital based here in New York. Um, so yeah, awesome. Google us. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on, guys. There'll be links to that in the show notes. We did talk a lot about buying sites. Before you buy a site, make sure you go away and get my due diligence framework. It's free. Just go to buyingonlinebiz.com forward slash free resources and, and check it out. Don't don't try and do this yourself and, and buy a lemon. So <laughs> thank you for listening. Everybody that is listening, if you are looking to grow your site with friends or know somebody who has a site, wants to grow it through SEO uh, or de-risk it at least, make sure you share this podcast episode with them. See you guys. Bye. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks.